0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. What a weird word. Ben lived in the land of Mitzrayim, the land of Goshen, and they dwelled in it, but really it really means it's like they grabbed onto it. They grabbed onto the land of Goshen. And they became very multiplied. They, they grew in number. They became very many, increased very much while they were in Mitzrayim. This is the last Pasuk of Pars Vayigash, leading into of Vayichin. Now, we know there's no separation between of Vayigash and of Vayichin. It's the only Parsha in the Torah that's like this, where there's no Pay, pay, pay at the end of the Parsha. There's no separation. It doesn't start in a new line. It just goes straight into it. So this leads right into Vayichi, Yaakov, Barat, Mitzrayim. So right into next week's Parsha. Rash says this Pasuk assures us that Goshen was in the land of Mitzrayim. The Shvatim as well, the children made a Chazaka in that land, allowing it to be their own, that they made their own land inside Mitzrayim in the land of Goshen itself. Mizrahi and Gorari said the land of Goshen was within the boundaries of the land of Egypt. And that's why both of them are mentioned here. Don't think they're in two different places that, that some Jews were in Egypt and other Jews were in Goshen and there were two different places. Not true. It's Goshen, which is considered to be like a state in the land of Mitzrayim, in the country of Mitzrayim. Goshen and Mitzrayim are the same basic area. The Barabbas says there was a Goshen in Eretz Yisrael as well. And this is to tell you this is the Goshen in Eretz Yisrael as opposed to the Goshen in Eretz Yisrael. I don't know why you need to say that. But that's the concept of Mizrahi and the Gori and the Birba Basada based on Rashi. To tell you it's Goshen in Eretz Mitraim and it's a place within Egypt. Where Victor Miller says, by law of the Egyptians, Yosef at was the one who set this up. The land of Goshen was officially the property of Eretz Yisrael. He put in the possession he allowed it to be their actual property. Even when a new king came up, they remained in the land of Goshen. Even though it was a beautiful and fertile land, they allowed the Jews to stay there, and it was their land. They couldn't kick them out. New kings, new, new I, I guess could say whole, uh, Malchuses of Mitzrayim were not able to get rid of it. This was a Kadesh Baruchus plan. There was plentiful resources in the area. The area was filled with whatever Ben-Israel needed. They were able to increase and grow in a way that they would not have been able to do so had they lived in Eretz Canaan. This was part of Baruch Hu's plans that they would be awesome by Yifreberimoad because they were in the land of the land of Goshen itself <laughs> in the land of Mitzrayim. That was so awesome about this place of the Gulos, what they were able to get to when they got into Gulos itself. The Malbum says at first they were living in cities of Ramses, the city called Ramses, in the land of the Goshen district. But eventually their families grew so large that they had to move to other cities within the Goshen area. So again, it would be like they at first lived in, you know, using our city, Chicago, and then eventually they moved to all of Illinois. So they were in Ramses, Ramses, within the land of Goshen in Mitzrayim. And then eventually, they moved to all of Goshen. They took over the entire area altogether. He allowed them, Yosef Atzadik allowed them, because they grew so rapidly, so quickly, he moved around other midstreams so that the Jews would be able to feel like they were at home. And the Chassam says, again, the same thing. They lived originally in Ramstace, in the state of Goshen, and that was the only land that was there. But they bought more and more land, as true Jews do, they bought as much land as they could around them. And they bought this and that and the other. Eventually, they were able to get everything out over there. He goes into Wayne Shalikos Lagoi and how this could be possible. That Yosef and bought the land and then gave it over, etc. For Paro, that's the idea that Chassam Sofer says. And that's how B'nai Yisrael were able to live in all of the land of Goshen, eventually taking over the entire land for themselves. That's that. Okay. Ramosha in Darish Moshe and Kol Ram says that there are three lessons to be learned from over here. Three important lessons, three amazing lessons to learn from. First of all, even when we have to live in Egypt, even when we need to, we should try to live in our own area and be independent of the nations around us. If we have to be Be Be'aretz Mitzrayim, we should try to be Be Be'aretz Goshen in our own separate ghetto, our own separate area that's considered our own. We have to do everything we can to stay as separate from our neighbors as possible, even if they seem like nice enough people. Our job is to be in Goshen in Eretz Mitzrayim, in our own little Goshen. That's lesson number one, an amazing lesson. Number two, we can never give the excuse of, I can't learn or daven or do anything in that place. It's impossible for me to do anything there. Even in Egypt, a land filled with Tuma and Arias and kishuf. And the worst Midos in the world, nonetheless, B'nai Yisrael were able to find Kedusha. And if you try hard enough, you can find that no matter where you go. Whether it's Gullis or even in the future, Ga'ula, where there are certain places that might not be in the same caliber. There's no such excuse. You can find it anywhere. You can get it anywhere. No matter where you are, try your hardest to set up shoals to make Bati one to make it into a Makum Torah. If you have to be there, then be there and make it into a Makum Torah for yourself. That's number two, and that's what they did in Goshen itself. And third, even if it seems that a certain area in Gullus is a positive place for us, it's still Gullus. It's still Mitzrayim. Goshen was a positive area. Yehuda made his yeshiva. He was able to be that rosh yeshiva there in that area. And nonetheless, they have to remember: it doesn't matter. It's not as good as it could be because it's not Eretz Yisrael, even though they're in the land of Goshen, Lakewood, Borough Park, Flatbush, anything like that, West Rogers Park. It's still not Eretz Yisrael. It's still not Eretz Yisrael. It's still Egypt. It's still America. That's the Koram, That's Ramosh's line of what we have to remember, that no matter what, it's never going to be the same. It's still Goshen. The Tosephus Bracha says it makes absolutely no sense that the possible could repeat where Goshen is when it just mentions a few psukim ago. Well, all of a sudden we're going to say, Goshen is in the land of Mitzrayim. We have to say that, and it says it in a weird way. Be'eretz Mitzrayim, Be'eretz Goshen. That's strange. We know where Goshen is. We know they're in Egypt. Why did it have to repeat it at the very end of the Parsha? He says that the word Yoshev means two different things. When it says, by Yeshev, by Eretz and Srayim, it can mean two different things. Now, one is Yoshev, as in you're sitting. That's the opposite of standing on one's feet, right? That's the obvious idea of what it means. Number two is living tranquilly, living in serenity with everything around you. We know what happened when Yaakov tried to live serenely. By Yeshev, Yaakov, Be'er Sheva. And immediately, Allah of Rog shal Yosef. The anger of what happened with Yosef had to come right over there. As soon as that happened, and not only that, we see by Yeshev Yehuda Yisrael levetach, basukos teshu, we see the concept. If so, then the pasuk can be explained the following way. B'nai Yisrael lived tranquilly in Egypt because... They were placed by Yosef in a beautiful land called Goshen. Read the Pesach this way, and it reads beautifully. This other Tosephus Barucho says it. <speaking in Hebrew> B'nei Yisrael were able to live peacefully in the land of Mitzrayim. Why? Because B'eretz Goshen v'yohah because Yosef had placed them in Goshen, in a place that was their own, and they were able to live by themselves in their own place. That's the concept behind it. Why were they able to live in the land of Mitzrayim without any problems? Because of what Yosef did for them, the bracha that he gave them, by letting them live in that area right over there. Then it says something similar. He also asks the question why it says Barat's Mitzrayim and then Barat's Goshen. And he says, really, Vayeshev the, means there's an actual living space. And the kedusha of Knesset Stroll, although they lived in the land of Mitzrayim, and by that it means they were living in, we'll call it again, I'm using as an example, they were living in America. They were living in the United States. They were going all over the place, from place to place to place to place. But their hearts were in Goshen. Their homes were their iker, Their shoals and their balte medrash, whatever they had back then, whatever that means that Yehuda set up a base marriage for them, their homes, their hearts were exactly where that was. Yes, they might have done business. Maybe they traveled. Maybe they went from place to place to place in order to make money, etc. But their kedusha, their spiritual lives took place in Goshen. So by Yeshav Yisrael Barat Mitzrayim, but Baarits Goshen Bayaqsuba says in its Yes, they lived throughout the land of Mitzrayim, but their hearts were in Goshen. They wanted to go back to Goshen. Even when they were living in Mitzrayim, nonetheless, they wanted to be in Goshen, and that was the difference. And again, that can very well apply to where we are today in America. That even though we're sitting there and we have to do what we need to do, our hearts have to be in our homes, our Bate medrash, our souls, where we want to be, where the kedusha can flow. That's what we want over there. The Rabina Bhakayah wanted his children, says that Yaakovina wanted his children to live as far away from the capital as possible. He knew how successful and powerful his son and grandsons were in Mitzrayim. He knew how awesome all the Shvatim were going to be. That was not a problem. He knew if they were going to live by the capital, they would be asked to be treasurers, leaders, they would be the warriors of Mitzrayim, and he didn't want that at all. He therefore knew that Goshen was the best place for them to be away from everyone else and be able to go the way the Ramosh said it before, the ultimate lesson. So what did they do? As we mentioned, right, Targiman says they built Baltimidrash for learning and large houses for themselves, acquiring fields and vineyards and building up their businesses. They stayed to themselves, right, for now and became very wealthy and influential on the land and Ziuma and Chaf and says even when they were in Egypt they were always around the yeshiva they stayed around even when they were in Mitzrayim they had a yeshiva around them they had something that connected them to the Torah itself the Hegyon says because they went into learning they went in learning Torah and building houses of learning they were successful in Gashmias as well when you see people getting involved spiritually first that Yehuda sent in first to Goshen to build up the yeshivas then everything physically goes in the right way as well you end up making the more successful correct decisions. That's the idea behind it. Rev. Sturmbach and Tam says, the Batim Medrash in Babel eventually will be Kovea themselves in Eretz Yisrael. That was my first speech. I, I don't know if everybody ever heard it. My first speech during COVID was exactly on the yucker that says, yimechem, yime alo adama. So Rabbi Yochan, when he got to that Pasuk, he said, they told him, there are old people in Babel. He said, how could it be? Laman yimechem, you'll have long days. You'll have long days. It's only in Eretz Yisrael. When they told them that they spend their time they go late in the day and early in the morning they go to shoals. They said, ah, oh, ha, that's what helps them because every base medrash and every shoal in Chutzlaret will pick itself up and bring itself to Eretz Yisrael. It's going to fly into Eretz Yisrael. So my idea like COVID was that everybody was sitting at home and turning their houses into a base medrash and a base kinesis, so that would be, we would be Zocha to bring in our houses into Eretz Yisrael, that are actual houses, that the final preparation for Mashiach is not just to have shoals and batim medrash in Eretz Yisrael, but actual houses, so we wouldn't have to sit in houses that were filled with tumah by other non-Jews, but we'd be able to bring our homes straight there. That was my idea. So hold on, said, so that idea, Sezroh Sturmbach is exactly this as well. The kedusha of the area of a base is so immense it takes on the kedusha. It's a little bit of Israel in the land of Egypt. Maybe the kedusha that comes down into the world through our Torah, through our tefila, will remain in the world until that future Gula. And the amount of kedusha we can bring to Eretz Israel is dependent on how much we do outside of it. And that's why Yaakov said to Yehuda, "Head." That's the idea to bring in all the kedusha, get all of it, get all of it ready, so that we're ready to go back, that's what we can bring back with us. Yeah, Shlomo, what's up? I don't know, I don't know, we honestly have no idea. It could be, it could be, and that's why you take your chances. Make a base measure out of anywhere. You can make a base measure anywhere in the world. And if you do that, if you put, cause that area to become a base measure, you cause an area, then you can bring it with you, yeah. Yeah, so that would be amazing, that would be amazing. And you can see Eretz Yistral stretching itself, it's called Eretz Svi, not only because it's a beautiful land, and it means beautiful, which is clear as day, although you can't see because of the the mask but there's this part at least, right? But Eretz Tzvi is also because the skin stretches. The skin of a deer stretches. You're able to stretch it out. And Eretz soul will stretch itself out and allow for everything to be there. Says the Tamadas, that's the shot Because when you're allowing yourself to be there, then even Goshen itself has the ability to go in there. And I, somebody wrote, I can't tell. Hold on one second. Oh, that's... <laughs> Okay, somebody said, that's why I always make brujas in zoos. <laughs> I can bring an actual zoo with me to Eretzisral. I'm like, they don't have enough zoos there. Like, I, but the answer is 100% yes. I'm sorry? Every time, right? Maybe not in the Mashana because we're not so shocked by it, but we try to make brujas everywhere, because why not? But well, <laughs> that's right. You know what? I'm going to have a seder in the zoo one time. I'm just going to go to the zoo. Numbers anyway. Might as well go there, make a seder right in front of the animals. Bring them all with me. It's not a bad idea. The Chizkuni says it's Mekayim the Puzzig of Kilagoi Gadol Asim HaShem It's the promise given to Avram Avinu that they would become a great nation there. They did become a great nation both in numbers and in, in their, their spirituality. The Rokhnis they became a great nation in stature and that was accomplished right after they came much to the Egyptians' chagrin. They didn't want this but that's how great they became how awesome they became. The Tzorah Mor says the contrast was so glaringly obvious. The Egyptians were starving at this time. Remember according. In some opinions, the famine was still going on for another five years after Yaakov Avino, and the Shvatim came. Five more years they were starving they were suffering they were living as poor men to the point where they had to sell themselves their land their possessions and themselves to the egypt to the egyptian king just to survive and bene israel were fine buying up land and taking up more and having more and more and more children right when everybody else is saying we shouldn't have any children because the famine is killing us then Yisrael were like we're fine a kushbar will take care of us and they're having more and more and more kids that's the problem that unfortunately led the Egyptians to feel this, this idea of resentment toward Bnei Yisrael. But as long as Yaakovina was alive, they continued seeing pure success. They didn't have any part of the gullus whatsoever. And they were that. It was only after he passed away where they began to feel the effects of what they were doing and what happened to them, how bad it was for them. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky says in Yaakov, this is why they stayed. If we wondered this, why didn't Yaakov just pick up and leave? Yes, the Yosef told them to stay out the famine. And that makes sense. For five years, stay here until the famine's over. But then why not go back? They know what they're supposed to do. They went to their gullus. They were in gullus. Why did they stay? says Emesliakor Yakov Konetsky, they realized the Ruchnius was great in Eretz Mitzrayim. The Ruchnius was great. Not only the Ruchnius, they were also awesome in Gashmius. They were gaining in money. They were gaining in their people, the amount of people that were there. Everybody was doing well. Yosef at Tzadik had set up a matzad for them. A great situation where everybody was improving and everybody was doing amazing. Why would they leave? Shavit Levi was being paid for by the government. He made it. Yosef Ataragah made a rule that the Kohanim got free land. Free land. Why wouldn't you stay? This is such an unbelievable idea. Maybe this is the best thing for them. Yes, to go back to Eretz was the dream when Akadosh Baruch was ready to give them Eretz Yisrael. But right now there was no reason. That's what changed from them being Gerim in Eretz Mitzrayim because that's what they wanted. They wanted to be sojourners, strangers in a strange land. And all of a sudden, by Vayeshez, they started to live there. What changed? Why did that happen? Says Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, it's because they realized how well they were doing when it came to their spirituality, when it came to the Ruchnius. They said, we're not going. Why would we go? What can we get outside of Goshen that we need? The Aznayim Latorah says, Yaakov was planning on leaving same with the Rabbi Yaakov, but then he heard from Hashem, ki legoy gadola simcha I'm going to make you into a great nation there. He saw it fulfilled in front of his very eyes and he realized we're supposed to stay here. As Rev. Victor Miller said, this is the perfect environment for us to grow. This is the best place for us to get what we need before we become B'nai Yisrael. And they knew that. They knew that this is the best place for them. So they did what they needed to do. But Torah Tamima says, based on a Gemara and Sanhedrin, Kuvavah Medaloth, Rabbi Yochanan says, whenever we see the word Vayeshev, something bad is about to happen. Just like by Vayeshev Yaakov, so to a here, something bad was going to happen. And this was the beginning of Gulos. As I said before, this last Pesach of Vayeshev leads into, oh, sorry, Vayeshev, Vayigash, which starts with the word Vayeshev, Leads into the beginning of Bayechi, where Nistmu Einahem, where their eyes closed, Mitzorah Sashibud, from the pain of the servitude that they were under. They didn't start becoming slaves yet, but slowly but surely, B'nai Yisrael lost that Kedusha. They no longer connected to the Shoals. As the Shvatim slowly but surely passed away, there were no leaders that stood up on the same caliber, even though there was an Amram. There was no one on that same caliber that was able to lead B'nai Esau in the right direction, and unfortunately, it just didn't happen in the way that it wanted to be. So there was a negative connotation here. They were supposed to be Geirim. They should have considered themselves Geirim. Yes, this is a good land for you. Again, America is an awesome land for us, but it's not Home, and we have to remember that wherever we are, it's not home. We have to keep thinking that way. Shlomo, yeah. Um, so Yaakov said that it, that was, the perfect, was it the perfect environment because it was such an intense, the immoral place. So The, <laughs> the, the, the ability for them to rise up was so, was so much better. better. I, I can't tell you. It, 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 we say that yes that zelumas that ossolokim that a kadesh makes it that when there's such intense tuma there's such intense Kedusha right opposite that i don't know if that's the reason though what Rev. Victor Miller especially meant is because the land was conducive. It was a very fertile land because the Nile Delta spread out. It was right by in between the River of Egypt, which is not the Nile River. It's a little bit to the side near the Suez Canal of what now is the Suez Canal. They didn't have that then. That was extremely fertile. It was great for B'nai Stral. The air was good. There was no need for rain. It was just a great land for them to grow and to become so many. But there's no question the spiritual aspect may have been greater because of the contrast between them and the Egyptians. At the end, though, that also brought them down much, much quicker. That brought them down as quickly as good. Cleocher says this whole thing is negative to Bnei Yisrael and was a horrible curse that they decided to live there. Hashem was Gozer, that they would be Gerim in a strange land, to live as foreigners in that land. They would not be like citizens. And they wanted to be Toshavim along with them, to be people like that. Every time, historically, the B'nai Yisrael, thank God, it has not happened to us here, but Toshavim, when B'nai Yisrael decided, we want to be full citizens here, and we want equal rights, and we want to be the same as you, the result has been disastrous. And in Mitzrayim, when they decided we're no longer Gerim, we want to be full citizens, Toshavim, the Mitzrayim felt that they were being taken over. They said, we have to deal with this Jewish problem. And that's the beginning of Parshish Shmos. That was exactly the issue. That when the people started becoming Toshavim says the Kaliachar, there was nothing, nothing that caused the, the, the rogues more than that. Nothing that caused the anger of the Mitzrayim more than that. When Sadiqim feel like they're at home in a place that should not be their home, then we have something bad that happens. Their mentality when they came down was correct. Le-gorsham. And we say this in the Haggadah Seder, right? We say in the Seder, Le-gorsham. We weren't planning Leishda Keyasham. We weren't planning on becoming sunk into the depravity of Mitzrayim. But it happened. It happened. It was something that automatically happens, and it happens to anyone who doesn't think about this constantly. To the point where, again, this is the worst Makkah in the world. Makkah Schoshek made us lose, according to the Medrash, four-fifths of our nation. Just think about that number. It's horrifically terrible. It's worse than any of the Makos that happened in the Mitzrayim combined. Combined. How many people in Mitzrayim died from Dam all the way down to Makos Bokoros? Not four-fifths of them. They did not lose 80% of their nation. But we lost 80%. And even if you say it's not Pshat, it's meant to be in some other way, whatever that means, you don't want to say it's Pshat. The Medrash is telling us what Bnei Yisrael lost as a whole from being in Mitzrayim. There were people who didn't want to leave. They didn't want to go. They felt more at home in Mitzrayim and didn't feel at home with their brothers. That's how bad it was. And the horrific part is if we look at us today, at the Tzareh Ashibud that we're in today, four-fifths of us, literally, are gone. Four-fifths of Bnei Yisrael. For at least four fifths, I'm hoping that we're dealing with four fifths of an Aish. It might even be more. Are no longer with the program? How many from Yidden do we have? How many from Yidden can count themselves as that? That's what we're dealing with, and that's what happens when we don't consider ourselves gerim. We consider ourselves toshavim. We belong here. That's it, yeah. the idea. The Zabosim says it doesn't say this is an interesting by yoch zubach with a kamatz or whatever it is. It says Baye ochazubach bye ochazubach. It says, they were like fish trapped in a net, birds trapped in a snare. Listen to this line. It's not that they grabbed the land, which sounds like they made a kinning on the land and they decided they were going to keep it. No, 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 no. They were caught by the land. They were caught by the land. They thought they were ruling over the land. They were in charge. They were the ones doing everything, et cetera. They were in charge of their own fate. But in reality, they were caught in not knowing what to do with themselves. Think of a bird that's given bird feed every day, right? Bird feed every day. It's fed by its masters, right? And it's sitting inside a cage. It thinks it has everything in the world, but it knows nothing. It's in a cage and it thinks I've got everything. What do you mean? I'm wealthy. I don't have any issues. I'm very, I've got tons of other hens around here. It's a little rooster with tons of hens. This is the greatest world. You're in a cage. You're trapped in an area B'nai Yisrael, the people at the time had no idea this is the beginning of their downfall not realizing that that's, they were already begun being enslaved and when everybody asks what do you mean the sheephood the slavery didn't start for years later Yaakov had to die the Yosef died the Shvatim died and then they were enslaved right but this slave mentality of I'm not leaving this land the land is great and not wanting to leave had already started that it already started with Schwab, says the same thing. He quotes a Midrash Tadshah that says had they wanted to leave early before the 210, 400 years it up, they wouldn't have been able to do so. They wouldn't have been able to convince themselves. How would they be able to go? I'm, I'm giving this an example, and I mean it like with all respect, no disrespect to anybody whatsoever. Do you honestly believe you'll be able to just get up and leave your home? No money. You're not getting any money for your house because people are just going to move in. Every Jew just told to get up and leave your house. You think everybody's just going to get up and leave your house? How in the world are you going to go live in Eretz Israel right now? What are you going to do? What are you going to sell? What are you going to do? I've got, a, I've got a house. I've got kids. I've got fish. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? How am I going to bring those over? Like if Mashiach comes right now. All right, guys, let's go. We're leaving right now. What, I, I've got, what am I going to do? I'm just going to let my fish tank die? I'm just going to let my, my car? What, am I paying my car payments or am I not paying my car payments? Am I just defaulting on the, the home loan that I have? What am I supposed to do? It's not an easy decision. If they were supposed to leave before the 210, 400-year up, if mark was up, says Roshav, they wouldn't have done so. They were grabbed by the land, by a oxu. They were grabbed by the land itself against their will. They would have stayed there. For that reason, there were many people who suggested quite often in the desert, let's go back to Mitzrayim. He saw it over and over and over again. Such as right before Kriya to by the Meraglam, by Adas they kept saying, let's go back to Mitzrayim. They were attached to the land that they didn't even realize they had an affinity for it that they couldn't explain. That's what's happening. That's what was happening to Claudius. Yisrael. That's the power of the land of Egypt. And the truth is, it's the power of any land that you get used to. Any land that you get used to, that's exactly what happens. So clearly... There are two ways of looking at this fuss. It could be a positive thing, that Bnei Esau saw their spiritual prowess and what they were able to do on Mitzrayim, the so therefore they were like, let's stay here forever. On the other hand, they also saw that they were going down and things were not going well there because they were Vayeshev and they weren't in Gerim anymore, so now it's a different situation. Maybe it's not as good. Rav Yaakov Perlo and his Sefer Ades Yaakov just came out not too long ago and Sefer Beresha's, Says the land of Egypt was the true opposite of Eretz Yisrael. We already said, and you said this before, you said this idea, right, that the land was filled with a the a burizara, the buster chamorim right, if we want to describe that. No beauty within it whatsoever. The people were the exact opposite of what Hakkash Baruch wanted Ben Yisrael to be. If they were living in Goshen, they were able to remain separate. They were able to hold themselves back. They were able to take away the Klippos rad that, Benet, that the Egyptians had amongst themselves. They retained their condition, their Milos. They were able to be great people. But when the Shvatim died and they left the land of Goshen and started being part of Eretz and Sraim, that's when they began being affected by those memtes Shari Tuma and they started going down. When the Meraglim came back, when the Meraglim came back, says Rapurlo, Kalev and Yeshua said, Tova its Ma'od Ma'od. Over here in this passage, it says, Vayifru, Vayirbu, Ma'od. Eretz Yisrael is Ma'od, Ma'od. Mitzrayim is only one Ma'od. When the great Shvatim were around, they were able to push out the Ra'a, Ma'od, Ma'od of Mitzrayim, which is the exact opposite of the Tova, or it's Ma'od, Ma'od of Eretz Yisrael. They were able to push off the Ra'a, Ma'od, Ma'od for many years, but they were never able to get past one Ma'od. They were vayifur vayirbu ma'od. They were able to get to one. They could never get to the second level, which meant it was never going to last. It was never going to be substantial. It was never going to be permanent. Once they were gone, immediately B'nai Yisrael lost their ma'od and went into the ma'od, ma'od, ra of Mitzrayim. That's what happened over here. There was zolkot, vayifur Vayirbu where others were around. But when you don't have the ma'od, ma'od that Eretz Yisrael represents, the other powers of Tuma are able to take you down just a little bit further. And that's the concept behind what it meant. It's just an unbelievable idea. Yes, it was awesome, as long as you could keep it up, but not as awesome as it possibly could be. And that's why they lost it. The Orachai says the only reason Bnei so went down to Mitzrayim in the first place was in order to raise the sparks of Kedusha. Now, I'm going to tell you something. We've said this before. Our job in Gullus is to find the Kedusha that's out there bring it into ourselves, allow ourselves to become better because of it, greater because of it, and then bring that back with us when Mashiach comes into Eretz Yisrael. That's our job. We find the Kedusha everywhere, and that's why B'nai Yisrael literally throughout the entire world, or at least Chabad, is everywhere throughout the entire world. Because there's Kedusha in all places. There's Kedusha everywhere. We can bring it out by making those tefilos, making those brachos, by learning in certain areas. We can do it. We have the ability to bring back that Kedusha that's been lost for so many years, Unfortunately, when people are in areas that are filled with Tumah, and we can't get the kedusha out, sometimes the Tumah pulls us in. That quite often happens. That happens to people sometimes, and that's a hard thing to be able to do. But that's by Yesh of time, they were in the land of Tumah, filled with Klippos, filled with disgustingness, for a purpose, to bring up that spark of kedusha, to bring it to a higher level. Ben Yisrael felt like a magnet, he calls it. This is what the Orachai Makar says, pulling in like a magnet all of that Kedusha toward them, toward their own, that seemed to exude from them. How did they do so? By acting as one. If you notice, Vayeshev Yisrael... Yes, it could be talking about Yaakovina, but it's really talking about B'nai Yisrael as a whole, acting as one. They worked there, vayyaksuba, and they grabbed onto the sparks of kedusha. They held onto the sparks of kedusha, and for that reason, they allowed themselves to increase the kedusha around them. Had that remained that way, had it stayed that way, they would have been awesome. But it didn't. They couldn't keep it up. They couldn't keep it that way. Dave, yeah, you you asking? Yeah. Right. That's from the Orakhaim cutters. That's the Orakhaim cutters that there's nothing left there. Right. That's half- again that you're right, it's using it in the best way possible and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Unfortunately, this was the negative. The negative effect that that they had upon us is that sometimes it doesn't work in the way that we want it to. That's the problem. Because it wasn't wasn't the Geulah. Had it been the Geulah, then it would have been fine. Had there been Mashiach, even Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't good enough for that. Even Moshe Rabbeinu. We need Mashiach. We need the final Gula, Gula to happen to finally bring in that Kedusha. But once we have the opportunity to and everything else goes for it, then we're able to bring it in. And that leads to the next. The, we're going to go a little Hasidish now. The Mashiloch, which is the Ishbitzer, the Igre de Kala, the Bnei Sassar, the Rebbe of Dinov, and then the Kedusha Slavi all give a same idea type of idea regarding this Pesach. The Meashilach, he puts a positive spin on it. Yaakovinu was afraid to go to Chutzlaretz, knowing that in Eretz Yisrael, if you're outside of Eretz Yisrael, it's like you're worshipping Avodah Hashem therefore told him in the beginning of the Parsha, it says wherever he goes, the Shechina would be with you. The Kedush of Eretz Yisrael will stay with you, even though he was living in Eretz time. he was close to a Baruch Hu. Goshen, from the Lashen of HaGashah, to approach to approach closer and closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, coming close. When Avramino felt, they didn't feel that closeness, When he passed away, they didn't feel the closeness anymore. But says the Meashiloch, Yaakovino understood what Goshen meant to B'nai Saul. It should be something about Hagasha, approaching approaching Akadosh Baruch Hu, making yourself get closer and closer to what a Baruch Hu wants. That's the idea. The Igre Dekala says the reason why Goshen was so good for them is because of Sarei menu. It's an unbelievable medrash. It's mentioned in Yalkar Ruvani, number 73 and 75 in this week's Parsha. He says that when Paro married Yemenu, he never fully married her. But when he married Yemenu, he gave her as her gift, a gift for her Ksuva, the land of Goshen. The land of Goshen was given to her. And when he realized that Saro was married to Avram Avinu, he left it as a gift. He kept it and said, "Saro, you can keep it. Storyman I whose influence on the land, even though she never lived there, infused the area with kedusha without even being there. That's why she knew, whatever through her ruach hakodesh, that her children would eventually be there. She infused it with the kedusha. She made it that they were able to have his yashvus hadas in such a land that Goshen was filled with that kedusha that she put in there. And even in an unnatural fashion, using the it's the Kedusha in a positive way, bringing them out, says the Bnei Saskar, that was the influence. It all stemmed from Sarimeno and the gift that Paro gave her. And the Kedusha Slavi says, when a person lives among those klipos, and this is really what you're going on, the thought process is messed up. That's when you get bad thoughts in your head. That's why our Shmona Esri is so messed up. That's why we can't concentrate on the positive things that we need. Some Tzaddikim, are great enough that they're able to just push them away. And others are even able, forget about pushing them away, they can turn the tuma thoughts into something positive. And they can make a thought of tuma that goes into their head and turn it into something that's great. The Kedusha lady 's example would be him himself being able to find the positive even in the negative, seeing the mylas of Klau Yisrael even when they're at their worst. Look like when the Kedusha lady saw a guy who was eating on Tisha and he goes up to him and says, And excuse me, do you realize that today is Tisha B'av? And he said, yes, I know. And he said, I'm so sorry, excuse me, I'm Shoddix, but can but do you know that Tisha B'av, we're not supposed to eat? And he said, I know. And he continued eating. The Kedush Levy said, I'm Shoddix, I'm so sorry, but do you realize the reason why is because the base of Mikdush was destroyed on that day and this, this day, and that's why we don't eat. He said, I know, and I don't care. The Kedush Levy lifted his hands to Shemayim and said, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Klal Yisroel, so holy, they won't lie even when they're embarrassed. Do you understand that? I don't know what the guy did with the sandwich after that. <laughs> but can you understand that? To find the positive, even the negative, even in the pure negative, look at this guy. Standing in front of the Kiddusha Levy. If I was standing in front of the Kiddusha levy, I, Kiddush, I would faint. And I would faint again. And I, I, I don't even understand how you could stand in front of him and say such a thing. But that's what it means. Some city come are able to take in that negative and make not just a positive spin, but turn it entirely into positive. Those who push them away come out with nothing positive from those negative thoughts They just push them away. And that's what a person has to do sometimes. Sometimes you just can't take in the negative and the negative and the negative. You just can't do it. You have to push them off completely. But those who are able to turn them around to something positive make fruits from their labor. They're able to take payros. That show, Mitzrayim was a land of Klippos and Tumah that caused the Jews living in Goshen to have those impure thoughts, and it grabbed onto them. That Tumah was there, and the people that were there were able to, while the Shvatim were alive, they were able to grab onto that Tumah and make it be turned into something positive. They were able to turn it into something that's amazing. They were able to learn. Oh, that's what the Mitzrayim are doing with their Tumah. That's their Avodah Zarah. Oh, this is what's wrong with that. And they learned Gemara's based on what they were learning. The 400 Prakim of Avodah Zarah that Avram Vinu had, and we have five. Vayifru Vayir Buma'od, says the Pasuk. They were able to gain from that, and they were able to make it something positive that served a Baruch Hu. But what's the problem? When you don't have the proper teachers, and you don't know how to do it properly, <laughs> that can mess you up so badly. They so quickly fell to the 49th level of Tuma when they didn't have a Yaakovina or the Shvatim around to help them. Immediately they went down. They tried doing the same thing their fathers were doing. Take that Tuma and turn it into something positive and they lost so quickly. This is not a suggestion for a normal Yid to do. A kedushas Levi can do that. A normal Yid just can't. That's the idea behind it. There's Rabbeinu Bechaya over here together with Rabbeinu Ephraim and a Medrash Tanchuma telling you what an unbelievable Medrash. The Gemara uh, Rabbi Noah Ephraim says, by Yifru is the Gematri of 302. Gematria of Vav Bekeres Echad. Six children were born in one womb. That there were Zokhara of six children at once. By Yirbu Ma'od is the Gematria of Samach Rebo. Samach Rebo, both 269. The Medrash Bereshis Rabbi Ayin Tesalev says, because they gave birth to so many children so quickly. Yaakov Avinu was able to see 600,000 of his own descendants before he died. 600,000. Medestown Chumah Chodesh and Vayechi says it was 300,000. The Baal brings this down as well. 600,000! He was able to see. He was alive for 17 years in Mitzrayim. How many people came down to Mitzrayim? 70. From 70 to 600,000 in that few years. Now clearly, this seems to be impossible in the numeric sense. But it could be that it wasn't actually 70 people that went down. It was 70 people that were mentioning, but there were many, many other people there. I've always found it hard to believe that the Shvatim were only married to one wife. The Mistama had multiple wives they probably had more children. The fact that Dunn only had one son that's mentioned in Torah Hushem, and yet it says, Uvne dun chushim. we have Rishonim already, that say that there might have been other children. Maybe there were more than just 70, maybe there were 300, 400, 500 people that went down, and eventually those numbers can increase exponentially if you're there. But the numbers are there. But it's also possible, and I don't know if I want to say this entirely, but it's possible that that's not what it means. It doesn't mean that there were 600,000 people that Yaakovinu saw or 300,000 people that Yaakovinu saw that literally he was able to look at all 600,000 of his children. It could be that the Neshamos of Klai Yisrael were so great that they equaled 600,000 normal people. I'll give you an example. They say that Moshe Rabbeinu was so great, he was equal to 600,000 people in Klai Yisrael. They say Yair ben when Yair ben died in the war against the eye, Rove of Sanhedrin. The pasuk says thirty-six people passed away. Rashi says it's like thirty-six people, but not thirty-six people, because ben Bemanasha was equal to the Rove of Sanhedrin. Thirty-six people altogether. We see that one neshama could be worth many neshamos. Maybe what it means over here when it says that he saw six hundred thousand neshamos, three hundred thousand neshamos, it means he saw his children that were all equal, and grandchildren, and great grandchildren that were so great. They were equal to multiple, multiple, multiple nishamos, And that's what it means over here. I am not arguing. I'm not saying there weren't 600,000 people. It's very hard for me to understand, but I'm not going to tell you that a medrash is absolutely not true, even if it's very hard for me to understand. But I will tell you, I think the understanding of the medrash is not trying to tell you a literal thing. It's trying to tell you something positive in a drush way. And finally, there is an answer with the Kliyakar. The, the end of the Kliyakar goes into Yaakov v'nulomais and what that means over here and why it's connected to Parshas Vayechi. I'm not really going to go into this right now, but it's an amazing drush on that posse of Vayakov I'm going to give it another shear, like a shorter shear later on tonight, if anyone wants to look like a four minute shear. But for right now, that's how we're going to end for right now. An amazing idea, amazing topic behind it. Shkaikh, everybody. Have a great day.